Um, it's good to be with you here. I think the last time I taught was in November before I went to hospital, and I promise you that I will give you a very quick update of what happened, but uh, I don't think we'll have enough time to do that. Uh, just to summarize, yes, I was in hospital. Uh, it was a very serious situation. Uh, I was uh, uh, resuscitated, is that the expression? Um, I did not know what was happening. Uh, the only uh, way I could know what happened is because uh, some of the people Jennifer trained many years ago were part of the team that was looking after me. I did not know what had happened, uh, lost consciousness, etc. And uh, they did not tell me anything. Uh, they called Jennifer and explained her what had happened. I think it was from 10 to 2 a.m. or something like that. So that was the situation. In, during that period, you people were praying. You were praying, and the Lord heard your prayers. Uh, I was really one foot there and one foot here, and it was very serious. I've never had such numbers of injection on my body. It was very, very serious. Now, what happened was uh, it wasn't just COVID. It was that uh, the medicine they were using uh, to deal with the COVID was worsening another situation. They had a choice to deal with COVID, which was very serious. For about six days, I was, uh, my temperature was 39.7 permanently. So it was a very serious situation. So they had a choice to make there. Deal with COVID, but another situation was worsening. So that's what happened. But um, the Lord heard your prayers. Now, uh, when I was there, I heard the team asking the person who was on the other, on the other bed uh, because uh, he was in the same situation as me, but he could still talk. And the doctor said to him, okay, any time now you're going to switch off, any time. Would you like us to try to do something or not? And he said, life is good. That means do whatever you can to keep me alive. Life is good. And Christ gives life in abundance. Eternal life. So we, we are not to spoil, to waste this life God has given to us. We are to live for him. When you find yourself in that situation, and I was there, the Bible is there, you can open it, you have uh, some 142 open there, but you can't do nothing. I'm thinking about going now, and I'm thinking about the family. And I say, thank you, Lord. They will be able to pay you know, uh, the 200 pound I owe someone, and uh, the remaining 500 pound overpayment to the HMRC, that's it, no more debt. So I will be go to heaven debt free. And I thought for the rest, the Lord has promised to show his kindness to thousands for those who love him. I said, they will be in your hands. So I'm happy and ready. But the Lord decided otherwise. Thank you very much for your kindness. Brother John prayed with Jennifer permanently in the evening. Many of you send a lot of text, and I even received flowers. And thank you very much, and God bless you. Here we are again. Let us use this remaining time we have to live for God. Amen.
Heavenly Father, we want to bless you this morning, Lord, once again. You are so good, and you do good to humans. We bless your name, Lord, and we pray that your name be exalted um, even more uh, through the ministering of the Holy Spirit of the promise. We give you praise and glory. May Jesus Christ, the head of the body, the chief cornerstone, precious unto us, the living heads, receive all the glory this morning. For he shall receive the highest honor. Glory and power belongs to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your body, for the redeemed, for the saints, for the people you have redeemed by your own blood. One day we shall see you, and we shall be made like you. In the meantime, like in the mirror, we reflect your glory, and the Holy Spirit is transforming us daily from one degree of glory to another, as unto the Lord by the Holy Spirit. Praise and glory be given to you forever and ever, for no one or nothing compares with you. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm smiling because uh, because of the words, you know, English sometimes, you know. I spend too much time trying to find out how to pronounce things, but uh, bear with me, you know. If I pronounce wrongly something, you know the spelling. You will understand what I'm talking about. Perilous time. Perilous time. I don't know which one. try pronunciation online and then I forget what they say. <laughs> okay. Perilous men for perilous times. Today, lovers of pleasure. We will do four readings. And uh, in today's teaching, there will be a bit of uh, historical facts to elaborate, to expound, to put things in the right context, the things we'll be um, talking about. So let's start with the first reading, the same we've done before. That is... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures, rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God is the subtopic for today. 
But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Last days, as we said before, here means the days before the second coming of Jesus Christ. The word perilous means dangerous, unsafe, hazardous, terrifying. So as we get nearer to the Lord's coming, we should also expect to become this world to become more dangerous and unsafe. The Bible speaks of the beginning of sorrows and the birth pangs. In Luke 21, verse 25, it speaks of the coming distress of nations with perplexity. This implies a crisis with no way out. According to the Lord Jesus, it will be as in the days of Noah. Before the floods, as recorded in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 12, wickedness was great upon the earth, every intent or imagination. Oh, Brother Alex, good to see you and Tanya. God bless you. Good to see you. The time before the flood, as recorded in Genesis 6, verse 5 and 12, the wickedness was great upon the earth. Every intent or imagination of the heart of man was evil continually, permanently, one direction, evil, rebellion. The earth was filled with violence. Now, we said before that intent or imagination here in Hebrews is Yates. Yetzer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it also means purposes, purposes, and desires. That means all the purposes, all the desire, everything men were thinking about at that time, purpose and desire. So actions were made with the intention of evil. That's what it means. Today we will focus on another key feature. We spoke about the lovers of money last time, and today lovers of pleasure rather than God. I've already said that we'll read four passages in the Bible, and we'll make some reference to other extra-biblical and historical facts in order to expound, elaborate uh, what is being said. Now, in this passage we've read here, we will focus on one particular word because we do not want to take this lightly, is the word pleasure. And I do not want us to think that the Holy Spirit is speaking of a console and PlayStation and entertainment or holiday and sport. No. There is more to it than that. And that's what we'll focus on today. In order to be discerning of the times in which we're living and live for God. What is that word? In this passage, the Greek words translated in English as pleasure 
is the word hedoni. Some say hedone, some say hedoni. It's a complex word to pronounce, but I'm saying it uh, in Greek. Hedoni, as they say, which, which has given us uh, hedonism, I think in English it is, yes. Okay. Now, in English, the term, whenever I speak of this hedoni or hedonism, think pleasure, as it is in the Bible. The reason being that, again, I'm repeating myself, I do not want us to be distracted and to dilute the importance, the seriousness of this matter at an entertainment level. It's not an entertainment level, as we shall see this morning, God willing. So in English, the term hedonism, hedonism is derived from the Greek word hedoni, meaning simply pleasure. It means devotion to pleasure as a way of life, especially to pleasure of the senses. Another tricky word, sensualism. Is that how we pronounce it? Sensualism. 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 Okay, good. Yeah. This, this is a very tricky word. It looks like a demonic word. So difficult. I remember there was a, a pastor who was preaching one day and he wanted to expose, you know, Catholicism and uh, uh, the transubstantiation and he couldn't pronounce the word. He said, the Holy Spirit doesn't want me to pronounce a demonic word. <laughs> Libertinism, debauchery, dissipation, all that is in the world. Now, yes, it is demonic, actually. It's not just a philosophy. You will see that it goes back in the Greek mythology. It's actually uh, an idol. It goes as far back as to Aphrodite and, you know, uh, Ashtate. It, all those things link to Hedoni. So it's more than philosophy. So when you see things getting complicated and you complain about homosexuality, pedophilia, and so what is happening? Why this immorality? Well, you cannot fight that with your own word. God must, must fight. These are fortresses. These are principalities. These are demons, big ones, you know. <clears throat> so, in Greek mythology, Hedoni is personified as a goddess of pleasure. Can you see where we're going now? So we're moving from philosophy to something else. Goddess of pleasure, enjoyment, and delight. Notice the word enjoyment. I'll come back to that in a minute. Hedoni was a daughter born from a union of Eros. A personification of love as well. And Psyche. A personification of the soul. These are very complex, you know, deeply demonic stuff we're talking about here. So when you look that word in the Bible, 
people will be lovers of pleasure rather than God. I told you previously, it's idolatry. It's replacing God. It's not just a passing pleasure. No. It's pushing God completely aside and these things taking place. And you see, you know, the complexity in the society. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the Bible says. So, Eros and Psyche. Now, Hedoni was specifically associated with uh, sensual pleasures. It's interesting because in the Greek mythology you have this Eros and uh, Psyche, but you find the same in Romans. In Rome, Romans mythology, you find the same. Different name, different person. Just like uh, Semiramis, uh, Aphrodite, uh, Ashtate, you know, the mother of God. It's the same. It's another name for the same person. Mother of God. In the Roman mythology, Hedon is referred to as voluptus, which gives the English word voluptuous. Do you see where it's coming from? which also means pleasure or delight. Now, she was called Hedoni there and Voluptus in Rome, which gave, I've said to you, oh, this is like a torture, Voluptuous in English. I couldn't escape all these things to make my case. Which means hedonistic. I'm going to just skip some word. You will not, you will not notice. Sybaritic. Oh. Epicurean. Pleasure-loving. Pleasure-seeking. In French, it's easier. Volupté. Volupté. Which means still the same thing. Sexual stuff, etc. Now, Socrates, the Greek philosopher, thought that Hedoni was another name for Aphrodite after researching. Can you see where we're going? Okay. Hedonism is the philosophy that promotes pleasure as the most important pursuit of mankind and the only thing that is good for an individual. Hedonists strive to maximize total pleasure, any pleasure less any pain or suffering. What suffering? Nothing to do with suffering or pain. Only pleasure. They believe that pleasure is the only good in life and pain is the only evil. Therefore, they believe our life's goal should be to maximize pleasure and minimize pain. It's the view that humans' fundamental moral obligation is to maximize pleasure or happiness. That is, we should always act so as to produce our own maximum pleasure. Lovers of pleasure, 
rather than lovers of God. This presupposes an individualistic stance and it is associated with egoism. Egoism is all about me. My pleasure, my well-being, all about me. Selfishness. Seeking own good in every action, everything I do, it must be the outcome on me. And I live for that. That is. Now, over the time, there have been a lot of uh, school of variation. Different schools in this headings, but trying to fulfill the same purpose. Running very, very quickly uh, through this, and you will uh, understand uh, what I mean. There is something called psychological hedonism. This is the view that we are psychologically constructed in such a way that we exclusively desire pleasure. There is something called ethical hedonism. This is the view that our fundamental moral obligation is to maximize pleasure or happiness as the ultimate goal for all our actions. Now, there is something called Christian hedonism. Christian hedonism. This was initiated by John Stephen Piper, a theologian, pastor, and founder of DesiringGod.org. He said, quote, Those who know me best know that I am a Christian hedonist. My desire to be happy is a proper motive for everything I do. I do what I do because I think it will make me happier in the long run. Verbatim quote. Now, this to me sounds like selfishness when you compare to biblical teaching of selflessness. But it is consistent with the underlying Foundation of hedonism. And there's no contradiction there. It's consistent. But in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, the Lord says this. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Not doing everything for yourself. That should not be our goal. No. In fact, we don't love God just because it will make us feel good about ourselves, but because of who he is and because of what he's done for us, but mostly and foremost because he first loved us. That's why we love God. We do not love God because uh, we want to feel good about ourselves. No. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him because he loved us first. Now, Christ says that we cannot be his disciple unless we deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow him. That's what he says. It's not all about our feeling good and living to be the happiest people and make that the chief goal of our lives. Now, 
in Matthew 16, 24 to 25, then Jesus said to his disciple, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. And take up a cro his cross and follow me. Question, how can I deny myself in order to make myself happier? It's one thing to say that we get happy and joyful when we obey God, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey is another thing to pursue as a chief goal of life, happiness of myself above anything else. So, closing this section for John Piper, for John Piper to say that our highest goal is to make ourselves happy, clearly undermines the commandment to love God with all our heart and to deny ourselves. Though it is true, as I say, that obeying God produces genuine and unmatched joys, joy that we cannot find anywhere else. However, if we only obey God because it will make us happier, then obedience has been diverted to self. And this is the very problem I'm trying to address in this teaching. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, rather than God. So, Mr. Piper so called Christian hedonism makes the pursuit of pleasure and joy the highest commandment by suggesting that God punishes those who fail to make the pursuit of joy the highest priority. This to me sounds like Epicureanism. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Christian hedonism is like the idea of introducing Christian rock some people have come with that idea say, but rock, if we do it for the glory of God, then he's worshiping God so long as we're naming Jesus in it. So let, 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 let embrace Christian rock. But the musicians, the specialists know the origin of rock and will not accept rock to be sung, or metal, metal music to be sung in a church. So it's the same thing to take something which at the root is demonic and give it a Christian connotation is the same as receiving rock in the church, etc., and the rest of it. We don't Christianize what is at the root a, a, a pagan, a pagan um, philosophy. Causing this by saying that uh, to justify this theory, uh, the author of Christian hedonism justifies his theory not from the Bible but from the Westminster Catechism, which states, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy God. But what does it mean by enjoying God anyway? But again, it's consistent with what we've been saying because uh, you know, at its root, hedonism, that's what it is, is pleasure. I told you, remember the word enjoyment. What is enjoying God? The Bible says this. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is man's all. This is the conclusion. This is why we live, to fear God. According to Ecclesiastes verse, chapter 12, verse 13, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. In fact, the preacher also concludes that all is vanity. 
Let's do uh, the second reading in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. I say in my heart, come now. I will test you with myrrh. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely, this, is also, this also was vanity. I say of laughter, madness, and of myrrh, what does it accomplish? Verse 3, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of man, of men, to do under heaven all the days of their lives. Verse 4. I made my work great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools, from which to water the growing trees of the grove. Verse 7, I acquired male and female servant and had servant born in my house. Yes, I had greater possession and herd and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also guarded for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers the delight of the sons of men, and musical instrument of all kind. Verse 9. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Verse 10. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this way, my reward from all my labor. And this was, sorry, my reward from all my labor. Verse 11, then I looked on all the works that my hand had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping of the wind. There was no profit under the sun. At the beginning of this service, the introduction was that all our aspirations are in the Lord. The book of Colossians says we are complete in Christ, who is the head overall. All our aspirations are in Christ. We are complete in Christ. So we should stick to the Christ who is the head overall and cling on to him. In verse 11 of what we've just read, it says, all was vanity and grasping of the wind. There was no profit under the sun. So there is nothing said about the idea of enjoying God being the, the chief end of man, as stated in the Westminster Catechism. 
which seems to have inspired Piper. The Bible says that fearing God and keeping his commandment is the finality of everything. No enjoyment. To replace loving God with pursuit of one's own happiness as the first and greatest commandment makes man more important than God himself and will only ruin those who follow yet another man-made philosophy. Colossians 2.8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Contrary to Piper's philosophy of Christian hedonism, Job, in his book in the Bible, declared, Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job 13, verse 15. In Acts 14, 22, the disciples were strengthened and encouraged to continue in the faith. They were taught that we must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's the biblical message. That's what the first... When people became believers, they were prepared to be armed of the idea of suffering. From the outset, they knew what it meant to be on Jesus' side. Straight away. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants my soul for you. Oh my God, my soul first for God. Psalm 42, 1 to 2. Now, all these ideas of Christian hedonism are hopeless. For those struggling with fleshly lust, that seems so much more desirable nowadays than any joy that might result from resisting temptation. In the Bible, it's not the idea of enjoyment. There is an idea of fighting and resisting temptation. Heureux l'homme qui supporte patiemment la tentation. Blesses the man who endures temptation. Yeah? A man who resists temptation is blessed. So there's always the idea of fighting, fighting, fighting constantly from within and from without in the Bible. Okay, we can skip the rest. There is something called contemporary hedonist. It's more modern now. This one as represented by an, organ, an organization known as Hedonist International. This organization, this organization strives first and foremost for pleasure with an emphasis on personal freedom and equality. You see, it's a disguised way, it's a clever way of appealing and attracting and keeping people in bondage by putting first equality and diversity and freedom. And people are buying into that without knowing in what they're putting themselves. Doesn't the Bible say to not put ourselves under the yoke of the unbelievers? We have to be discerning with all this social movement, all these things, black life matter, I don't know, whatever it is, you know, because the underlying philosophy are demonic. 
We have to say it because it's true. Because the founders of those organizations are very problematic in their lives. So it's the case for white supremacy. God made everybody the same from one blood. Amen. Let's be Christian because our citizenship, all of us here, is in heaven. So we look all these things from the heavenly perspective. You know, sometimes, you know, they scratch us, sometimes they, but we, our citizenship is in heaven with Christ. And we are passing, we are sojourners here. Not going to hell, but going to heaven. Because Christ redeemed us by his blood. Amen. Libertinism is a philosophy related to hedonism. Now, Libertinism is another form of uh, hedonism, and one of the prominent actors of this particular one, you will know him, Alistair Crowley, who was a great occultist. So they worked very hard to make sure that hedonism prospered, and that as many people as possible were attracted in it. We cannot suddenly transform that and make it Christian. Epicureanism uh, is another form of hedonism. When you look in the Bible, I think it's uh, Acts 17, verse 18, you will see that Paul confronted the Epicurist and the Stoicist. Stoicist. He confronted them. Because you see, all those philosophies are always competing with Christianity. I know in English, uh, we use the word stoic as a positive word. I have nothing to do with that. As an adjective, be stoic. In lieu of be courageous and brave. But the root of it, that's not what it is. It comes from a philosophy called stoicism. That was initiated by a man called Zeno, 330 B.C., Zeno. What does that philosophy say? When you go through suffering, just persevere. Just do whatever you can and enjoy yourself. That Do whatever you can to sustain yourself. Is that what the Bible said? No. I will keep you in perfect peace. He who is mine stays on Christ. So we trust Christ not on our own effort to make things happen. No, that is stoicism. Philosophy, again, competing with Christianity. If we don't, end this, we don't make a clear difference, we begin to live Christianity in terms of stoicism. And it becomes so hard. There is a character in Pilgrim Progress, I think it's uh, worldly wisdom or something, uh, you know, who makes it so hard you know, for, uh, for, for Christian, you know, uh, to claim the mount, it became so complicated. Worldly wisdom. Stoicism. Now, you may ask yourself, so in which sense are all these things affect us? Are the, all these relevant? They are relevant because people who are part of this philosophy, when they are in higher position in the society, they work very hard to impose these things on us all. For example, a few years ago, David Cameron sought to introduce what he called the happiness index. Have you heard of that? Happiness index. 
where they will be able to measure how happy people, people are. I don't know. Based on which criteria. There was a man called John Maynard Keynes, one of the finest minds in economics. He says, spend today for tomorrow we all die. It's all about today. And that's the idea of introducing credit card, etc. Just spend, 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 spend. In the 4th century BC, there was a school from Socrates, Socrates that taught that happiness was one of the ends of moral action. The Bible says the end of man is the fear of God. Philosophy teaches that the end of things is happiness, their own happiness. Now, not only these philosophies deny the Lord's standard of morality, but they also denied any standard of morality that is generally accepted in the society. It's all about going the other way. Going the other way. You know, marriage, let's go that, the other way, etc. In Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, 2 Timothy 2:22, Paul advised the young Timothy, to flee also youthful lust, but to pursue not pleasure, but righteousness and faith and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You see, bad company corrupts good morals and minds. As a believers, we need to make sure that our friendship are people who fear God because they can help us in our journey to heaven. I'm not saying you should uh, ostracize or ignore your faith. That's fine. But I'm saying the Bible even says do good first to all but first to those of the household of God. There is a priority. You know, a believer who is always with pagans and unbelievers, you know, 24 hours, you know, how is he going to grow? You know, you never over the phone with the believers, you never share Bible verse, you never come to Bible pr to prayers, you never come to the church. You, how are you going to survive in these days? It's impossible. You know, in these days, believers are pressing on. They call each other, they send messages for WhatsApp, you know, they edify one another. So, so we're using technology to edify one another. So things are happening between Christians. But if you're always with pagans, then it's going to be difficult. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now, Jesus Christ is our perfect example and pattern of life to be followed. In fact, we have to allow him to live in us, to take the highest honor, to sit on the driving seat and to lead us. The Bible says, as Christ suffered in his flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. It's a state of mind. 
You know, you're not surprised when you see all these bad things happening, when you go yourself through tribulation and persecution. It shouldn't be a surprise to you. The Bible says be armed with that. You know, when we have some times of peace and quietness, take advantage of it, bless God. But be prepared as a Christian. Because Christ was persecuted in this world, the same will happen to us. The reason why we are constantly surprised is because we expect so much of this world. That's why we are shocked. BBC have said this again. They've done it again. Why does the Bible say that there will be a time where BBC will say, come in the morning, all of us, you know, let us fast and pray to Jesus Christ. And Third reading. First Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're reading from verse 1 to 6. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of man, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentile, when we walk in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Verse 4. In regard to this, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to man in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. The gospel was also preached to those who are dead. Well, they find it strange that you no longer run in the same direction with them and they speak evil of you. Because you follow Jesus, you belong to Jesus, you're a new creation, all things have passed away, everything has become new. Therefore, the people you used to do those things with are now enmity against you because you no longer run in the same direction with them. But that's okay. Let them judge you. Let them judge your flesh like that for your soul to be saved by God. It's okay. So, the kind of pleasure addressed in this teaching here is one that ignores the Lord's will, the Lord's call for holiness and generally accepted morals in the society. This is not about casual leisure, sport, or just enjoying your holiday responsibly. These are philosophies, demonic philosophies, that exalt pleasure and even entertainment, some form of entertainment above God. 
I'm going to skip the next sentence. So, why does the Bible warn against this kind of pleasure? Number one, this kind of pleasure are a snare to fruitful Christian life. Remember in the parable of the sower? The cares and the pleasures of this life were preventing a fruitful growth. God has saved us and we should work in the newness of life. Desires for pleasure are the root cause of things such as internal struggles, lust, murder, covetousness, and adultery. James 4, 1 to 2. Pleasures as self-gratification are a barrier to prayer being answered. Pleasures can distract us from serving and following the Lord faithfully and earnestly. James 4, 4. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupt good habits. Last reading. Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Verse 12. The night is far spent. The day is at end. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us work properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Perilous men for perilous time. Men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Father, we bless you, Lord, for keeping us, for maintaining us in the grace, on the journey to heaven. We call out to you, Lord, you say you will not leave us, you will be with us to the end of this age. Therefore, Lord, we commit our being unto your holy and caring hands that you keep us because you are faithful to the end. Strengthen us, Lord, we pray. Grant us, Lord, an increased measure of discernment in this last day, that we should not be carried away by the trickery of men, empty deceits, traditions of men, and philosophies of men. Blessed Savior, good, great, chief, perfect, and divine shepherd, our living head, Lord, help us. 
If you help us, Lord, we will see you. And we will get there with you. In this perilous time, Lord, we need you. We commit, Lord, the congregation unto your holy hands. Because you are the chief shepherd of your people. Lord, strengthen us. Each one of us, Lord. Lord, grant us to live in your victory till you return. Therefore, we pray, Lord, for the renewal. For the feeling. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit of the promise. He who will glorify Christ in our lives. Open our eyes, Lord, and lead us safely, O good shepherd, we pray. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You are the one who restores our souls, Lord. We trust you and we commit our lives unto your holy hands. Deliver us, Lord, from falsehoods. Deliver us, Lord, from the trickery of man that is in this world. And lead us safely, Lord, in your green pastures. We give praise and glory unto you. And may all the glory be given to you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.